Crypto curious, keep an open mind, enjoy the conversation, and stay cryptocurrent. We all know there's a race to acquire more Bitcoin. Why not earn more with what you already have? With Tantra Labs app, you can put your Bitcoin to work with up to 12% interest backed in Bitcoin per year, currently the highest interest rate in the industry. So, how does it all work? First, go to tantralabs.io and follow the steps to sign up. Second, after approval, deposit as much or as little as you like. Third, sit back and watch your Bitcoin work for you at 12% interest back per year. Lock in your 12% now by signing up at tantralabs.io. Or you can click on the link in our show notes and on our website. All right, what's going on, everybody, for CryptoCurrent? This is your host, Stephen Miller. I'm joined today by my co-host and producer, Chris Corneros. Chris, how you doing? Doing great, Steve. How you doing? Oh, it's another great day in crypto land, I can tell you that much. Uh, we got a lot of really exciting content ahead for you guys today. We're going to be talking a lot about um, what's been going on in the world of FTX. We're going to be talking a little bit about the next phase of national adoption within the cryptocurrency world. Um, through buy, seller, hodl, that we're going to get into our favorite show, Two Bulls, One Coin, followed by a great segment on the SEC and the big BS associated with their acronym. So without much further ado, Chris, you want to take us into our first um, article here? Yeah, let's do it. So let me uh, pull up the... Pull this up right here so we can... Everyone watching at home can kind of follow along with us. But uh, yeah, really exciting article here. Um, so as you can see, and as I assume a lot of you have seen, it's been all over the internet the last, I think, three or four days. But Tom Brady and his wife, Giselle, whose last name I can't pronounce, uh, they just caught a bag. They got $20 million uh, for doing like a minute and a half commercial for FTX, which is, you know, major crypto exchange. But besides that, Steph Curry also was involved. And I think this was Wednesday is when it was announced that he was going to be partnering up with FTX as well. So two of the biggest names in American sports right now, hopping on the crypto, you know, crypto hype train and doing it with FTX, which has been making waves all year long. Uh, Steve, I don't know if you remember, but the Miami, the Miami Heat's uh, basketball arena, I guess, arena, stadium, basketball arena will now be the FTX arena. Um, a major esports organization, uh, TSM, they actually sold away their naming rights. So their official name is actually TSM FTX now. This is all within, I think, the last six months this has been happening. So wild times for FTX and big moves as well. Yeah, this is really next level stuff. Um, I'm still blown away. I mean, you've got... Now, as you said, the Miami Heat, you have Steph Curry, you have Tom Brady, you have Giselle Bunchen. You also have Major League Baseball. And if I'm not mistaken, Mr. Wonderful Kevin O'Leary is now their um, global ambassador as well. So wow. suffice, suffice to say, like the amount that they're paying for marketing right now could 
very easily feed like half of Africa. And we don't need to get into that because Cardano has it covered. So where I'm at with this is like, Chris, where do they go next? Are they just going to keep spending and spending and spending? Or is this just the, or is this like it? Is this their cap? And now they're going to start really rolling into um, deploying the next phase of their product. So one thing I've noticed, right, is all of their partners so far have been US based. So TSM, major esports team, they're based in North America, United States. Tom Brady, obviously, major NFL superstar. He's based in the US. Steph Curry based in the US. Miami Heat based in the US. I wouldn't be surprised if we started to see some big investment from them in marketing with a professional soccer team over in Europe. I think that is their next step if they continue on this path of marketing, which I think they should because at this point, you know, you have basically the two most watched sports in the US. You have you know, esports, they basically dominate social media. There's no other industry that comes even close, in my opinion. Um, so all that's left really is you get soccer. And I mean, they, they've pretty much captured every major, you know, area they should want to capture and kind of prepping for some big announcement or launch. And that's kind of where I think they're going with this is they either have some crazy update rolling out, some crazy benefits using FTX, or there's going to be some massive announcement and they want to you know, have access to these large, uh, I guess, personalities to you know, really pump, pump up the numbers when they make that announcement. So yeah, I would expect in the next... I'd say by year's end, FTX will have some insane announcement come out. Yeah. And I would be very, um, I guess, shocked if we didn't see an official launch in the US of their derivatives platform. Um, but again, there's only up from here. And it seems like it truly is like only up always for FTX, Solana, anything that Sam Bankman Freed decides to touch, it's only up always. So I'm really excited about it. I think FTX is a great trading platform. Um, and there's a lot more to come from them for sure. The next article I want to take you... Well, actually, no. Before we get into the next article, here's my question. Buy, sell, or hodl? Because again, that's the name of the segment. We're here to decide, okay, is this news buy-worthy? Are we selling the news? Or are we hodling on it? We need to see more development. Where are you at? Are you buy buying, selling, or hodling? Well, if anyone watching right now was here with us on Tuesday, you may remember that my mid-cap pick for blockchain bets was the FTX token. So I'm buying. I think you should buy this news. Companies in general, but crypto companies more specifically, do not invest in major marketing unless there's something coming. And even though $70 may seem pricey right now, that's about what FTX token is sitting at, 70 to 80 that range, may sound expensive. But if you think about it, Binance coin, they're at about 500. So you're seeing what, like an 8x give or take on if you bought right now and held. And I think that's pretty reasonable. So I would buy. I'm, so again, I'm on what, board. what you have to keep in mind there, folks, is that with the tokenomic model, that's going to inflate the price of Binance to begin with. Because I don't believe they're both operating under the same tokenomics. But in any case, like if you look at where Binance is in terms of global market cap versus FTX, FTX is one hell of a buy right now. Just because of the fact that there's so much more room for it to grow um, on top of where we're currently seeing it. So... In my world, Chris, I think that you have a really solid case for a buy here. But you also had a really solid case for a buy a week and a half ago, a month ago, 
because this isn't like, I mean, yes, Tom Brady and Giselle, like that's huge news. But if you were not buying FTX from the moment that Kevin O'Leary stepped on, I don't know what you were doing. Because yeah. this this project is legit. They're one of the you know most loved exchanges in the world. And frankly, with everything going on with Binance right now, they're giving up market share daily. Mm-hmm. So to me, I'd be very surprised if we didn't see them as one of the top exchanges in the world within the next cycle. I don't think it's going to happen by the end of this cycle. They'll be competing for it. But next cycle, they will absolutely be one of the top two if not top three players, if not the, you know, the very top. Yeah. But, but for that reason, I'm going to keep buying it. I think that it's a great, great bet. So let's jump into our next buy seller hodl article. And that is this incredible post about the nation of Ukraine. So normally I would I would kind of pivot from this, right? Like I don't get super fired up about, you know, the news out of Ukraine, whether it's in Chechnya or otherwise. But I really do find myself getting caught up in this narrative of which country is next? What is the next domino to fall? And it turns out that in the last 24 hours, it was Ukraine. Ukraine has had a nearly unanimous vote after the Ukrainian parliament put up this law um, within the last couple of days, but it was set in motion in early 2020, that legalized and regulates cryptocurrency in the country. Up until today, it was total gray area, um, according to the article. But as many of you guys know, um, Ukraine was working with um, the Stellar organization for a while in terms of developing internal cryptocurrency um, and also blockchain um, infrastructure. But the law itself here is outlining effectively what the regulators need to be thinking about when they're moving forward, right? Instead of it just being guesswork. Um, We saw what happened in El Salvador earlier on in the uh, two or three weeks ago now. And then also you had Cuba coming out with their own regulatory guidelines. So what I'm getting out of this is that right now is an incredible time to be alive and in cryptocurrency. But this is just going to be the next domino to fall. And it gives me a lot of hope to look onto the horizon and say, okay, what is next? What country is going to be next in this whole discussion? Um, Personally, I've got a lot of uh, belief that the next one to fall is Panama. I've been watching very, very closely to this whole discussion. And everything is pointing there. But Look, it's not like in Ukraine, they're adopting Bitcoin the way El Salvador did, right? Mm. So for right now, um, the Hrivnia, I believe it is, their national currency, that is still king, just the same way that cash is king here. But I see this as global governments are finally acknowledging that crypto is inevitable. So yeah. Chris, do you have any take on this? Who do you think is the next country to fall? Do you think the US finally gets its shit together or no? No, I think we are a few election cycles away from the U.S. uh, doing anything. And part of that is for for whatever reason, uh, Republicans are the biggest proponents of not messing with crypto because they know they don't get it. And, you know, obviously in the U.S. recently, there's been a major push to, you know, get more Democrats in office. 
And they're the ones who are actually holding crypto back. So it's going to take a while is what I'm getting at. Because for whatever reason, <laughs> nothing has made sense in politics here. So crypto is <laughs> on the back burner for the time being. Um, that being said, you know, I think Panama is an interesting one. But I would actually look towards some other Eastern European nations like Greece. I don't know if you remember uh, a few weeks ago when we were talking about all the projects kind of Cardano's involved with. I think it was like two or three Greek universities were involved with it. And that kind of leads me to believe, you know, they had major economic meltdown about 10 years ago. That kind of leads me to believe, you know, maybe they're toying with the idea and the Greek parliament is also going to enact something similar. Yeah, well, I, look, I can hope this starts to roll out across Europe as well. But there was a set of rumors out in the last, like, I want to say, month and a half, two months, where the EU has apparently been having backdoor communications with IOG Global. Um, so the fact that yeah. the folks at Cardano could have their hooks into the EU broadly kind of is a signal that you may see that sooner than you think. Um, yeah. it, may, it may not be formally organized with Greece in particular, but it could benefit the entirety of Europe, um, which yeah. I think is incredible. Well, look, are you buying, selling, or hodling on this? Because again, it's a pretty broad sentiment, but I think that the first thing that we need to look at is Bitcoin. Does this make you want to buy Bitcoin more? To me, I, I think this makes me want to... I mean, I'm going to keep accumulating Bitcoin. Um, this news isn't going to particularly change that. Um, Definitely, it makes you want to hold. What I'm more interested in is, you know, things like a USDC or a Tether, actual coins where the purpose of them is to, you know, link up one to one with a, you know, a fairly stable fiat currency. Because those are the ones I foresee, at least, that people will actually be spending. Because at the end of the day, how practical is it really to? Spend one ten thousandth of a Bitcoin on something. It's kind of eh. And I'll, for a lot of people, actually, it won't make sense to be like, oh, I spent 0.00009 Bitcoin on this. It's not going to make sense then. But if you say, oh, I spent 10 Tether, that makes a lot more sense. It's easier to understand. And it's, you know, there is actual value there because it is tied to, if not a fiat currency, always, you know, highly liquid bonds, things like that. So. I, I think those are the coins that will be used. But again, one-to-one -one value, you're not really going to make money. So I'll call it a hold for now. Okay. Well, look, I agree with you in the, the accumulation of it all. I think, they, as we've said across the last couple of Tuesdays, like it's important to have your HODL portfolio strategy. And I think this is more of a buy indicator of you need to continue to buy and accumulate your HODL portfolio coins. If you're not doing that, you're not doing it right. Um, I think it was Bitcoin Zay said the other day when he was asking, he was asked on an interview, um, what is it that you would tell somebody that isn't yet in crypto, but needs that extra push to like get over the edge and be like, hey, like it's, it's time. And basically he told him like, look, if you're not on board yet, like just stay off because frankly, you're missing out on the biggest wealth changing opportunity of your life. Um, and it, it was a very resonant answer to somebody who's been in the crypto world for two, two, three years, um, like Richard, myself, and even you have been. Um, so it's yeah, like a it, year. <laughs> look, it's, it's exciting to me to see the way that it's changing. 
Um, the narrative is definitely developing. And I think that's something that people need to have reassurance in. So I'm, I'm buying into the HODL portfolio for sure. But look, guys, um, we appreciate you being here. That is the end of Buy, Sell, or HODL. If you haven't yet, please do us a favor and subscribe to the channel. We put out videos every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday. Um, specifically going live on Tuesdays and Fridays. But our uh, other host, Richard, puts out new interviews with special guests across the cryptoverse every Monday and Thursday. So please press that subscribe button. Join us here every single day, except for Wednesday, Saturday, and Sunday. Um, but also, please press the like button. We would love your support. And we also want to know that we're doing good work here on the channel and that you're enjoying the content. So absolutely, um, guys. With that, let's move into our next segment, something that Chris and I have grown you know, fonder and fonder of every it's single fun. week. <laughs> um, and I, I was thinking about it before the show. And the second that we get our um, animators finally done on our segment drops, I am going to be so hyped getting into two bulls, one coin every single week. Week, not that oh, I'm not already. So not, Everyone, not that I'm not already pumped. Oh, y'all have no idea how clean this is gonna look. You're, it's, you're just everyone, everyone. You get, you're gonna have to set your alarm every morning to different drop sounds because it's gonna just fire you up when you see that stinger come. Two bulls, one coin, and the one today is it's pretty special. Oh yeah, so today I'm two bulls, one coin. <laughs> Um, which is the segment where we decide whether or not a specific coin is a shit coin or not. Chris and I have decided that it is time for us to discuss BitCloud. BitCloud for those who <laughs> BitCloud for those who don't know is um, a coin that was put out in an attempt to basically create a new social network, but a decentralized social network, and. Instead, it's kind of developed into this project that is more of we're going to put out creator coins, like you've heard us talk about Rally in the past. Um, but it takes a little bit different of an approach. It's not necessarily allowing for people to engage with a creator's coin and redeem those creator coins for specific you know time with the creator themselves, but it's trading on the value of the influencer. So apparently everybody gets a coin within this ecosystem, yet only a couple hundred influencers have actually adopted it. I'm joking. It's probably more closer to a thousand, um, but it's still not super incredible. They do have Elon Musk, Shamath, uh, Pripatia on it, uh, Mr. Beast, as you see, but a ton of influencers are starting to come up on this platform. Uh, but at its very core, it's effectively the opportunity that you have to buy into people's stock. It's mm -hmm. social currency. Um, but the cool thing is, is that they're now starting to build in NFT use cases. So you can now start engaging. Like if you were going on to a video, for example, um, of a specific influencer, it can integrate closer and give you a specific NFT for you know backing the person who you're socially invested in. So... On the surface, Chris, what do you think about BitCloud? <laughs> um, shitcoin is being too kind. Wow, pretty savage remark. So give us a little bit more why. So I saw this coin concept come out, you know, when it first came out. I think this is like it's gone through a few iterations. They've kind of changed some things here or there. But I think it was you know, maybe 
February or March is really when it took off. And I saw it all over Instagram and Twitter and you know every social media platform you can imagine. Every single creator was getting into it. And they were like, Oh, look, look like I bought 10,000 of my own shares. They're already up like a thousand percent, like I'm a millionaire. But they also left out the fact there's literally no way to get your money back out. Maybe you can now, but back then you definitely couldn't. So people were essentially falling for a like a scam, but they weren't even hiding it as a scam because you could pay, like you'd use US dollars, you'd pay into it, you'd get your money in there, but there was no way to change it out because it wasn't listed on exchanges. It was going right through their website. So yeah. No, and, and I, look, I think that. The funniest part about this to me is like, I remember reading these stories about how people were, and because I don't know if they were doing it like with a direct USD on-ramp at the time, but I remember when Bitcoin was the thing that you would use to get into it and you would be able to get your BitClout coins um, by just sending in Bitcoin, Bitcoin to your specific address. But there was certain users who would basically had sent in like, you know, they were like, screw it, I'll send in $10 in Bitcoin and... Yeah. You know, get get a couple creator coins and mess around and see what it's about. But when the ten dollars in Bitcoin arrived, they're like, "Oh no, you have to de- deposit more than that to be able to use our platform." And I'm I'm sitting there just shaking my head. I'm like, "What?" And and there's no there's no simple way to get your ten bucks back. The like these guys are at least in the beginning, because again, now they're trying to develop you know, the NFT side of things, create deeper levels of integration, and they're being sold across a number of different exchanges. And today alone, I think they were up like 25%. So certain part of the economy is buying into it. Now, if that part of the economy happens to, I don't know, live on 4chan, it goes to tell you <laughs> that it's probably going to be a short-lived fuse. But when I see projects like this, where you kind of see like, okay, the history of the Bitcoin just getting trapped and you can no longer have your money back. It's, it's, it's cause for concern, right? Like oh, there's, yeah. no, there's no other way to look at it. So there's another element to this debacle that I need to bring up. And I'm going to call upon a, uh, a headline from the New Yorker um, as we get into it. Oh boy, here we go. So the New Yorker published this back in June. Um, Discussing the dark democratizing power of the social media stock market. So literally the trade of everything, personhood, art, humor, um, all of it into money and seeing basically who and what we're all willing to pay for. This is a really interesting idea on its own. But to me, it actually needs you to go back to like the beginning of the quote. It's dark. This is tremendously dark. Like if you've ever seen the, the show, The Black Mirror, um, Black Mirror did a big episode on this where it was like, you know, trading in social currency and like how an individual earns um, credibility off of their number of likes in a specific day. And like you can go and like other individuals and that increases their social net worth. You've now since seen that China has implemented this. That should be a sign, folks. It's, this is not a good version of the future. This is not a future that I wish to live in. 
Um, so Chris, what do you think about like the dark mirror element of this? Is this is this something that we could start worrying about more frequently? I mean, the way I look at it is that it also literally assigns a value to people. Like whenever people are like, oh, like, you know, what what are I'm worthless? Like people will joke and say that, but the reality behind this is I think from when you had the graphic up, like Elon Musk's coin is at $100. So, you know, for the other like 7.9999 billion people, according to BitCloud, you are worthless. So I don't yeah. think this is a good thing. It is very dark. It's going to stay on a dark road because whenever you try to assign value to people, you know, it, it never ends well. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, look... And I happen to agree with you, but I think we have to also look at the other side, right? You've seen the negative, you've seen the dark, you've seen the disturbing a little bit here. Let's take a look at where the positive starts to come in. And that's in these new NFT developments. Specifically, I'm going to, I'm going to bring up the use cases that they cite on the, um, their docs area online. Just because I think that it's important to point out because it also will shed a little bit of light on the rest of the NFT market for us. So within the BitCloud ecosystem, their new NFT use cases include things like integrating collectible ticket stubs. So like if you were the artist Blau, like they're talking about here, he could literally sell tickets to online concerts through BitCloud to his consumers. Um, the, sell, the sale of physical memorabilia through a digital collector's room. So he can issue an NFT to his fans that basically they can redeem in real life, whether it's for merch or something else. Um, you know, access to exclusive experiences, exclusive unlockable digital content. So if he's got, you know, a hidden or secret song that's only available to a certain part of the market, that is compelling, right? Like we're starting to see the impact that an, an NFT can have and the utility it can have. And I think that is a, compel a compelling feature that they're starting to add in here. But then you also get into stuff like exclusivity and chat groups. Um, Again, when you're talking about building up somebody's social credibility and we're talking about exclusive chat rooms, we're starting to starting to go back to the dark side of here a little bit. But it's interesting to see the way they're trying to implement a social leveraging system. Like there's just so much utility that an NFT can bring to the picture. But is that enough to turn the tide here? Is that enough for us to actually say, no, this isn't a shit coin? I mean, you and I have talked about this earlier today, which is there are some aspects of NFTs I like. And what they brought up is a good point, which is this is also like originally, I think the goal of an NFT was to do what they're trying to, which is create exclusivity. But instead of having like a live nation or you have your record label handling distribution, all you need is you know the NFT tickets and then it goes from artist to fan. And I think that's actually a really good application. But the flip side of that and why I still don't think it's great is these record labels own all the rights anyways. Why would they give up the ability to handle distribution? Because even small, like any smallish artist, right? Like I'm not talking like the, you know, Steve Aoki's of the world who have millions. They, he sells out like stadiums anywhere he goes. Doesn't matter the country. I mean, like, you know, the more mid-sized artists, like they're still pulling in millions for their record labels. They're not going to mess with that. And honestly, NFTs for a lot of fans would be too complicated. And I think that's where, you know, I think that's kind of where the tracks run out is 
kind of ease of use. If there's, if it's not easy to use, it doesn't matter how good of an idea it is because why would anyone switch over to something more complicated? Yeah. And so I still, you know, get it out of here. I don't want no bit clout. Yeah, look, we, there was another point that was brought up earlier and I can't remember exactly who said it. It may have been Richard, but mass adoption will never actually get here until this stuff becomes totally frictionless. And right now, especially when you look at stuff like BitCloud, where you have like these different layers and resistance points and barriers to entry for people, that like these are the things that are going to keep Bitcoin and cryptocurrency and blockchain from the general public. NFTs, yeah, like they do bring the general public in. But I'm not sure if it if BitCloud as a platform is going to be the right place for them to be joining this movement. So Chris, is it a shitcoin or not? Oh, again, shitcoin is a very generous term with this. <laughs> it's bad. It's really bad. Do not. Yeah. If you're in chat right now, this isn't financial advice. It's common sense. This thing literally started out as like a in-your-face scam. They can try and rebrand all they want. It's You lose. The second you buy in, you've already lost. You don't stand to gain anything because at the end of the day... We're not Elon Musk. We don't have the largest coin on the platform. According to BitClout, everyone here, everyone watching is worthless. So I also think BitClout is worthless. Going to hit him with the Uno reverse card. (laughs) Well, I think you got him on that one. In my opinion, I think that should be the new slogan for BitClout. BitClout, you lose. So that's (laughs) been another edition of Two Bulls, One Coin. Again, we appreciate you being here with us. Um, This has been... A lot of fun tearing BitCloud, um, a little bit of a, a new butt. So let's, let's go ahead and drive a little bit forward um, because there's a... Well, actually, you know what? Let's step back because there is something that should be said about it beyond the shitcoin environment because we've already owned the fact that this is a shitcoin. But there are other players, as we had mentioned, in the social like, part of decentralization that are worth your time. Um, right? I'm not trying to sit here and write off every single social player. There's new platforms coming up on Cardano, like Sony Social. You have Rally, who again, we brought up in the middle of the segment. And then you also have um, Raul Paul's company, Real Vision, who's about to put out their alternative, likely either end of this cycle or the beginning of the next. Social is something that in decentralization is going to play a massive role. Right. Mm-hmm. We don't want, especially with the way that you know social media is today, we don't want the actual company behind a social media platform to have all of the leverage over what we see. We need it decentralized. People need that for free speech. They need it for freedom of information. And I think that it's a huge piece of the next wave of cryptocurrency and blockchain development. Mm-hmm. Um, so just want to make sure I have that disclaimer out there. But yeah, BitCloud's a scam. So Moving on, let's jump into the Aftershock, Chris. Um, The Aftershock is a segment that we do here every single Friday where we bring you the biggest story of the week and break it down a little bit for you so that we can understand the implications and how it's going to overall affect the market. Chris, this week we're talking about the SEC. As you saw up on the banner thumbnail of this um, video, Coinbase has decided that it's time to go to war. My question for you is, what do you know about this so far? And can you give us a basic briefing? Yeah, so 
this first came to my attention a few days ago when it came out that the SEC, not that they're planning to sue or in the process of starting it, but is threatening to sue Coinbase if they launch their, uh, I believe it's called Coinbase Lend program, which is essentially, you know, it's like it sounds like it's lending. It's uh, taking out a loan at a certain, at a, you know, whatever fixed interest rate uh, to get money from Coinbase. Then we're going to roll that out. Uh, people, I think, could opt to stake their crypto and they could earn back from people investing or getting loans. Yeah, so, and... so, so roll, roll it back real quick. It's, it was um, Coinbase Earn. So this, oh, was, this, was, this okay. was the ability for an individual to earn, not necessarily lend. Uh, our... so, that, so that they can okay. make APY. Oh, yeah. Well, so they've already had that, though. This, I think, is a new program coming out where you can actually get loans from Coinbase. And that's in the SEC. Basically, what I'd read about it was that they told Coinbase, like, kind of hilarious actually how they told them because they didn't actually tell Coinbase's lawyers. They didn't, like, tell the company. They just put out a PR statement saying, we are going to sue Coinbase for securities fraud if they start this program because it's a security. And since that happened, Coinbase's CEO has tried to get in contact with the SEC their entire legal team. Mind you, this is an incredibly large company, big IPO. They have a robust legal team, to say the least. They couldn't get in contact with the SEC. So it's a very you know shady situation, which I think is what Coinbase's CEO actually came out and said, is that they're being shady. Yeah, so let's go ahead and bring that up on screen for a second here, because it is really important that we get into what Chief Q-Ball Brian Armstrong had to say about it. Um, Basically, he went through an entire Twitter thread here and outlined step-by-step what was going on. So essentially, after this sketchy behavior was announced by Brian and by Coinbase on behalf of the SEC, they had been in discussions basically about this earning protocol um, for quite some time because projects like Celsius and BlockFi, both of them have bigger earning protocols. And again, That's not to say that you couldn't stake specific assets on Coinbase before, but this was something bigger. This was the ability to earn up to 4% APY on USD coin, right? So all of these companies in crypto have have like different versions of this, as we just said. But what he's kept getting into is like these lending features and these earning features would make it a security. Hmm. So essentially what he gets into here in the sixth piece of the thread is saying they refuse to tell us why they think it's a security and instead subpoena a bunch of records from us, which of course we comply with, demand testimony from our employees, which we also complied with, and then tell us that they will be suing us if we proceed to launch with no explanation why. This is like the most disgusting intimidation tactics I've seen out of any US government organization. And for the record, I pay my taxes. I know that the IRS is gross. They will do anything to steal your money. But ultimately, Coinbase is one of the most compliant companies in the US because they are are arguably one of our biggest advocates in the crypto space. They want this to go forward. They want crypto to continue. They don't want innovation to leave the US. But effectively, like, the way that the SEC is shutting 
crypto companies down here is going to drive more companies outside of the US. Mm -hmm. um, I just have to hope that that's not going to be the case. So as we're looking forward, Chris, there's a lot more going on here, right? It's not exclusively this Coinbase situation. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's messed up. It's very messed up that the SEC is trying to hit this entire approach of like, I'm not going to be here and attempt to find ways to regulate cryptocurrency in a productive manner. I would rather achieve regulation through litigation. That's like, that should be the last option. Yeah. Right now, they're still tied up with XRP. Um, and if you are not following that case, you have clearly had your head in the sand for the better part of the last two years. But we've talked about it in, the, in like recent episodes where XRP has been tied up in this legal battle with. On the SEC because the SEC came out and said, we believe your security and we're going to sue for that because like, it would be an unregistered security. Mm -hmm. So there have been recent developments in this case, of course, um, but a lot of people are saying that this is going to get dismissed and it's going to get dismissed soon. So Chris, what do you know about the XRP case? Um, just to like, I guess, give people a quick layman's terms understanding of it. So I'm trying to think in the simplest way possible in the same vein that, you know, this program that Coinbase wasn't trying or was trying to launch is trying to launch in the same vein that that is not a security, like under no definition of the word security isn't one. Ripple, there actually was a case to be made where you could consider, you know, that a coin. And so basically, because it wasn't officially, I think, registered with the SEC as a security, and there were some ways it was behaving like a security, the SEC sued them and said, you know, basically, you owe us a ton of money. In classic, you know, American government fashion, they just want to take more money from companies and people. And here we are. Essentially, what's going to happen is nothing. XRP is going to win this because the Justice Department, I think, has had enough and realizes like uh, you know, our good friend down in Texas, Ted Cruz says, is you can't find five senators elected right now that understand crypto. And I think the Justice Department realizes you couldn't find anybody in the history of the SEC that understands crypto. So they're probably going to be dropping it. Year's end is my safe bet. And look, I think that <laughs> when we look at this entire discussion, like it, number one, like it's a very convoluted situation. And to, to say that the SEC is one of the most corrupt offices within the US government, much like your you know discussion about whether or not BitCloud is a shitcoin, it's not saying enough. Yeah. Okay. The SEC has its hands just covered in shitcoins. Let's go with that. The point is, is that when you look at what they're doing, they're intimidating. They're trying to get more and more um, crypto companies to come in and basically admit no wrongdoing, but settle with them out of court because they know they have the money to do so. Every single crypto company, barring one, has settled their suits out of court. Ripple has gone on the longest of any of them because they're not willing to let go and frankly, bless them for not. Oh yeah, Because they're going to start setting precedent with this trial. And the fact that Coinbase wants to take that fight to the people at the SEC, I'm ready for it, man. I'm, I'm oh, so I'm ready for so it. so ready. Because 
correct me if I'm wrong, but the Ripple suit is in like a federal circuit court, right? Like it's right. a, it's, it's, so for anyone who doesn't generally know about the US justice system that's watching, basically you have top level in the federal government. So nationally, Supreme Court. And then right below them, you have like your federal, they're called like circuit courts. The great thing about it being in that level means if the court drops it or does anything in Ripple's favor, it actually sets a precedent. So if the SEC tries and does this to say like a Helium or a Tezos, they won't even need to step in a courtroom. Their lawyers could literally file a motion to dismiss and say, look, a federal court already dismissed this. They have no case and it'll get dropped because there's a precedent from an upper court. Now, the only way to turn that over is if the Supreme Court got involved. But let's be honest, half of them are about to die. They probably can't spell crypto. They're not getting involved anytime soon. Look, the truth is, is like the majority of people like can't get past the first three letters. They're too busy crying over it. So let's <laughs> let's go ahead. I, dude, I can do these dad jokes for days. Let's go ahead and bring up something that I think is probably the most interesting piece here regarding the XRP case. And it literally happened in the last 24 hours. Basically, and I'm going to read this point blank because I think it's very interesting to see that the SEC can so conveniently talk themselves into a corner. A recent court filing unveiled the most crucial information for the lawsuit to date. The document confirms that the SEC never informed any third parties that XRP was a security until the lawsuit was filed. This information is now an official admission in the case. Request for admission number 99 formally reads, within the legal document, admit that prior to the initiation of this proceeding in response to inquiries by third parties described in request number 99 above, the SEC has never informed a third party that it considers XRP to be a security. This is literally what they wrote. Like the, the defendant, the defense, the, sorry, the defense attorneys that were representing Ripple, not Ripple, the SEC, the SEC had this to say. In addition to the foregoing objections, the commission objects that this request is irrelevant because the commission can prevail in this case, even if this request in fact is true. Subject to all the foregoing objections, the commission admits that before the filing of this case, certain third parties inquired about the legal status of XRP. However, the commission did not state a view one way or the other in response. They're basically saying like, hey, we make the laws here, bitch. Yeah. And like, I don't like swearing on this as a family-friendly program, but that is what they're doing. It is classic intimidation. It's them saying, we are the big kids at the table and you're either going to pay up or we're going to drive you into the ground. Yep. So again, it, this sort of stuff really drives me nuts, but then the thing develops further. So let's just move straight to the next piece. And this is what happened last night. If you've been following along on Twitter, Coinbase Pro accidentally relists XRP amid its spat with the SEC. Now, this can be interpreted a number of different ways. My favorite of them is a giant middle finger to the SEC saying, hey, if you're going to come after us, we're going to go ahead and show you that we have the power to turn XRP back on like that. Literally. So, granted... Which is actually one of the coolest flexes ever. Yeah. Imagine like the US government goes to the New York Stock Exchange and says no one else can... You know, you can't trade Apple anymore. That actually would stop it because that's basically the only way to you know, buy and trade. But because crypto is decentralized mostly and awesome, there are like hundreds of exchanges. Coinbase being, 
I think the largest actually, gets to go to the U.S. government and say, oh, really, people can't trade it. What are you going to do to me? Yep. It's an awesome flex. and I'm jealous. But but here I think is like, herein lies the big thing that I want people to see out of this. And like truly the scope of how big this XRP settlement is going to be. People have been talking about XRP being one of these coins that's been suppressed in terms of its price and it's going to go through the roof as soon as this case goes, goes out the door. This was up and live on Coinbase Pro for I think they said a total of 20 minutes. Okay? In 20 minutes time, when people realized, wait, I thought we couldn't trade XRP. XRP is here. They, keep in mind, they couldn't trade it on Coinbase Pro. But there are a lot of other exchanges where you can still buy it and trade it. It's still very accessible. So what happened is in that 20-minute interval is this. See that spike? That right there is the coin going from about $1.12 to $1.24 in like no time at all. I think this was the five-minute chart. So it then came back because right up here, Coinbase actually issued a statement via Twitter saying this was a technical glitch. You know, we just, um, we had something happen behind the scenes and it reactivated like visibly on the site, but XRP was not able to be traded. It then returned to its prior level. We're talking about 20 minutes. 20 minutes. And you're seeing that type of explosion that people are willing to bet that heavily on um, Ripple. Like, I, I can't spell this out any other way, guys. Like, even if this settlement does not, like, occur by the end of this cycle, in this cycle, I, like, it is not out of the realm of possibility to see Ripple at a $7.50 price point. I'm, I'm so convinced of that. That's just nuts. I mean, like, look, do you have any thought on where this goes? I mean, like, is it going to... I mean, is, is Ripple set up to still soar in this cycle? I guess is the bigger question. Should people be interpreting it as that? I don't think so because even though every day it looks more and more like Ripple is getting closer to winning and winning is just not losing in this case. So everything but the negative outcome. At the end of the day, it still is going to take months and months. We don't know how long the cycle is going to last. And so that's my answer. I have no answer. We just don't know right now. But the second that lawsuit ends... Precedent is set, and then we will know going forward. Yep. So. The, one, the one piece that I will say is I'm not sure if it's enough for somebody to go ahead and pull the trigger on Ripple because, again, there's risk, just like there's with every piece of you know this, this entire investing landscape. But you got to keep in mind, like we're, we are your crypto commentators. We are not financial advisors. We're not telling you whether to invest or not. But my personal opinion is that this case not only sets precedent, it will sh literally shine a light on how corrupt and messed up the SEC is and hopefully gets crypto completely pulled out from under them. I would love it if Gary Gensler could be the commissioner of the SEC and not be able to touch crypto. Because truth be told, all of these projects are way closer to you know, being commodities. Yeah. They should be under the commodities um, regulation and supervision and should be regulated in that way. Ginsler and his entire elite set, 
They're doing what they're doing because they're going in defense of the banks. Hate to say it, that's the truth. That's why you have them shutting down Coinbase Earn. Why? Because if every single person in the United States saw an ad that said make 4% APY on your invest, like on your savings in a totally secure manner. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry, Chris, would you not leave your bank that's paying you half of a percent, if that in some cases? Well, I mean, you're gone. I, I, I think it's, it's less about the earning, right? Like, there, we already know, I bring it up I, probably every week is crypto.com has predicted like literally a hundred times the return on like US dollars. It's insane. Yeah. I think they're going after not the APY. They're going after lending because if there's an alternative, the only way banks make money is lending. For anyone who doesn't know, um, that's how they make money. They give out a loan, typically so you go buy a house, um, and then you pay back that plus like usually insane interest rates. If, if you're going... So if Coinbase Earn gives 4% APY and you give your money to Coinbase to basically give out loans, that means... You know, Coinbase probably isn't like adding any more than, let's say, 10% interest. The reason I think the SEC is like, I'm taking this out of the banks, but I think they're going after them is everyone would go to Coinbase then to get a loan because why would you still go to a bank when their interest rates are higher? We've seen them fail in the past. Like, unless you go to a major bank, if you go to any regional bank, there's always the chance that they don't have the money they're talking about. And Coinbase, on the other hand, is this massive, you know, $100 billion company. And I think that's what kind of scares the banks is, oh, crap, the only way we make money is by people either holding their money in FDIC insured savings accounts or with loans. And so if you take the loans away, that's their moneymaker. Well, crap. But on the flip side, if people are also getting 4% APY and they can do it all on one platform, we talked about this earlier, it makes it frictionless. Why would I keep my money in a bank when I could keep it with Coinbase? Especially if it's US dollars, USD coin, which, you know, it's not like a speculative currency, right? It's not like an ETH that can go up $100 or down $100 in minutes. It's something that will always be a one. And I think that is what really scares them, right? Is... Coinbase theoretically replacing our banking system. Yeah, but again, like, look, all of those banks are registered as securities. They trade on the stock exchange. Mm -hmm. You're telling me that they're not going to Ginsler saying, please destroy every single crypto company that comes to you saying that they want to do a lending offering because that is a security. That's the narrative. That's exactly yeah. what's going on. And it's disgusting. It's going to absolutely hinder innovation if they continue to do this and let that happen in the government. It's stupidly corrupt. Mm -hmm. Anyway, let's wrap up this segment by moving into what to watch for in the next week. Because um, again, guys, that's what we do here. We try to make sure that we are giving you the most up-to-date information so you can walk away a little bit more informed from these shows. Um, so what we've got coming up um, today, actually, we had a really awesome announcement come across from KuCoin. KuCoin has listed Equify, who we had onto the show um, in the last couple months. And they are doing some incredible stuff with decentralized finance, banking, and lending of their own. But also on Sunday, um, there's pretty big news out of McLaren. They're releasing their fan token. Um, Chris, do you know, is, are they listing that fan token somewhere? Or is it just that they're doing a broader release? I, 
Truth is, I don't know, but I would assume it's going to be some kind of broader release that they will have some semblance of control of. Like, I assume they'll have a website built and set up where you can go and do this, like they have a merchant. Yep. They're definitely going to do it that way. They're just going to have it as an option in their merchandise store and their website. That's what I would assume. Yeah. Easiest, I mean, look, easiest way to get the widest variety of people access to it. And look, it's just like many of these soccer clubs have been doing, you know, across Europe. They're really oh, like yeah. all the soccer companies are rolling out their fan tokens on the Chili's network. Um, but I have to imagine that, you know, McLaren's going to be doing something similar. But that comes up on Sunday um, for those of you that may have interest in that. But the really big focus across the next week and of course on Sunday is Cardano's Heart, Alonzo Hard Fork Combinator event, where they are officially launching their smart contract platform live so that all of these applications can start developing on Cardano's Web3 platform. Um, it's going to allow for the Cardano ecosystem to absolutely explode in terms of growth, not in terms of it dying. So that said, Chris, what are you watching out for with Cardano? Because I want to spend at least one minute before we wrap the show um, in terms of what we could see out of Cardano in the next week once Alonzo um, goes live. The only thing I'm looking for is if it works. If this goes off without a hitch, all the crypto tinfoil hat people who hate on Cardano are going to be so mad it will be hysterical. Because if this goes off, then you have a legitimate contender now to Ethereum, to you know Tezos, but more so Ethereum, right? Like this is our Cardano was started by one of the co-founders. This is a direct challenge to Ethereum. If this goes off without a hitch, it works. You're going to see Cardano's price explode. Maybe not right away, but you will see a. You'll probably actually see a dip right as it happens because that's usually how it works. Then you'll see just a rampage as Cardano just hits different levels of support. Yeah, I mean, look, we saw in the last week, Cardano took a, actually one of the biggest hits of any of the platforms out there in the ecosystems. And you know, to me, that says that that's the buying opportunity. If you can get in right now, now's the time. That's when I would be accumulating. But traditionally, we buy into this idea of buy the rumor, sell the news. And the news would be this instance of smart contracts going live. But I think given the fact that we've seen this big pullback, we are way more likely to see this thing just shoot up. Mm -hmm. you know. And yes, do I think that we need to see that it works and we need to see on social media that it's actually real? Yes. But watch out for FUD. FUD is going to come in droves the way that it has been for the last two weeks so that institutional investors can get their lower buy-in points. People are not going to want to see Cardano succeed they're going to want to continue to find lower buy-in points. The second that smart contracts goes live, it could go flat because you could see counter trading going on. But what we're saying is if, if things pan out and it actually goes off and we officially have smart contracts on Cardano, get ready. Because the thing is going to run. It's going to run a lot faster than most things that we've seen. But otherwise, next week, um, we've actually got some other really exciting stuff going on here at CryptoCurrent. Um, of course, you can go up to our website at crypto-current.co for more of the educational content. We like to put out um, our own internal blog content and articles two times a week at least, sometimes three. You can find them on Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Also, Monday, Richard is sitting down with Colin O'Brien from Rubik Finance for an interview about their um, interoperable exchange. 
And then on Thursday, he's sitting down with Aaron Tilton from SmartFi to talk about some DeFi tools um, that SmartFi is launching. Uh, but otherwise, Chris, you had one quick announcement about um, IGTV, IGTV, didn't you? I did. So uh, check it out uh, this upcoming week. We will actually be experimenting. You know, we want to see basically just how to do it, but we will be uploading our past YouTube videos, you know, most specifically our podcast episodes. We'll be uploading the full length YouTube videos to Instagram TV. So another way for y'all to watch, another way for y'all to engage with us. Um, and yeah, and if you check it out, let us know what you think. Let us know if you think it's, you know, you like it, you like watching on Instagram TV, or let us know if you don't, because if there's no benefit to y'all, then, you know, we won't go through with it. It's as simple as that. Awesome. Well, look, guys, a lot of exciting stuff going on in the cryptoverse. Do us a favor, subscribe, and make sure that you're following us for future updates. Tap the bell, make sure that you're getting notifications whenever we come on live or whenever one of Richard's new interviews goes live. But otherwise, have a great weekend. And of course, stay cryptocurrent. We'll see you next time. See y'all later. Hey, Cryptocurrent crew. We want to give a quick shout out to all of our faithful listeners out there. It's been an amazing journey and we really appreciate your support throughout the years as we've been growing as a community. Each episode, we decided that we would start sharing some of the reviews that you were leaving for us. For today, we would like to share this review. Today's review comes from OMS21. Exciting info on crypto and what's going on in the industry. Love the energy Richard brings with the guests. We sincerely appreciate this review and all reviews and would like to ask that if you're enjoying our show, please take a quick moment to go and leave a review on our podcast so that hopefully we can be highlighting your review next. Simply go to our show notes or go to our website where we have a link where you can share your review today. Hey everyone, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more information on today's episode and all of our episodes, please visit us at www.crypto-current.co. You can also find a link in the show notes. Want to stay up to date in the latest news in cryptocurrency? Sign up for our newsletter today. You'll receive daily emails Monday through Friday that are personalized and curated content specific to you and your interest, powered by artificial intelligence. You can either go to our show notes or go to our website to sign up today. Are you an accredited investor looking to invest in cryptocurrency? Crescent City Capital can help. Go to crescentcitycapital.com for more information. I don't know if you've noticed, but the quality of our podcast each week are improving. I can only thank my amazing producer, Andrew DeRitter with DeRitter Productions, who has been putting all of this together. If you have any podcast, music, or audio needs, please go to DeRitterProductions.com. That's D-E-R-I-T-T-E-R Productions.com. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Cryptocurrent with Richard Carthon. We'll be back with more exciting developments from the world of blockchain and cryptocurrency next week. But until then, stay Cryptocurrent. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Cryptocurrent. Just one quick reminder. Cryptocurrent is a cryptocurrency and blockchain education platform that's bridging the gap between the curious newcomers who are just discovering the space and the thought leaders who are shaping its future. All opinions expressed by Richard Carthon, the Cryptocurrent team, and their guests on this show are exclusively their own opinions. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Richard, the team, and their guests as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or to follow his financial advice. 
This show and any other cryptocurrent production is exclusively for informational purposes.